0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17? I would like for everybody to be looking on to the scriptures tonight. Even at home, uh, I want us to treat church At home, even through the live stream, I want us to treat church as if we were here and in person. Um, Even when you can't be here in body, I know that you are here in spirit, but we should still approach it with the same respect and uh, with the same reverence as we do when we are here in God's house. Matthew chapter 17, and we are going to begin reading in verse 14, and we're going to follow along until verse 21. Verse 14 says, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him, this speaking of Jesus, there came to Jesus a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water, and I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And the title for my message comes from this verse here. How be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting when you study that verse out when jesus says those two words this kind he's speaking about this devil that was that was cast out of this young boy and after jesus reprimands the disciples for their unbelief and he he teaches them about faith and we're going to go into all of that tonight. He says how be it this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. You saw the title I'm preaching on those two words this kind. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would please fill me with your spirit as I can only preach with power as your spirit allows me to. Lord, I know that this came together in my study, but Lord, now it must come through, not through my words, but through your words. And I ask that those who are here tonight in the seats helping with the live stream, those who are watching from home, those who are watching from across the country would all be able to be helped from this message that you have given to me. I ask this in your name. Amen. So this passage of Scripture takes place right after the transfiguration of Jesus. So think about this. Up up on the mountain, you have Jesus being transfigured and speaking to Moses and Elijah. And you have uh, Peter, James, and John there uh, observing it all and hearing God speak from heaven. But as soon as Jesus comes down from the mountain... He finds his other nine disciples, and these disciples are being questioned by scribes. There's obviously a a tumult going on. There's obviously something that has caused some uproar, and it comes from the fact that these disciples have failed to help a demon-possessed boy. You can take a lesson from here if, if you just want to think about this. Don't be surprised, church. Don't be surprised when Satan attacks right after a mountaintop experience. Right after a spiritual mountaintop experience, the devil always wants to come and throw a wrench into things. But looking at this boy, this boy was in horrible condition. When you read the parallel passages of this story, one in uh, Mark chapter 9 and then one in Luke chapter 9, so both in the nines of Mark and Luke, you can get some more details about about this boy and about this story. We learn uh, from one of the parallel passages that this boy was this father's only child. These were real people with real emotions and real lives and real families, and this boy was this father's only child. His pride and joy. Can you picture with me when this father first held that little boy and he looked into his eyes and he thought what all of us thought when we have looked into the eyes of our children. We dreamed of the things that we would be able to provide for them. We dreamed of the days that we would be able to spend with them. We thought of all the good times that we would be able to teach them certain things. This father had all of those feelings when he looked into the eyes of this boy. But there came a day when the boy was still very young, that just out of nowhere, the boy began screaming and thrashing his body around and he would foam at the mouth and fall to the ground, screaming, seemingly in agony. And he would begin tearing his clothes and his skin with his hands. And there was no explanation to it. It would, it would come uh, violently and it would go away just as soon as it came. But it began to happen often. One time the father and the boy were just walking alongside some water and again he heard the boy scream and, and cry and the boy threw himself into the water. He almost drowned. Another time they were sitting around a fire and can you picture this? Suddenly the father had to watch in horror as his boy began screaming and crying again and thrashing his body around uncontrollably and he, he threw himself into the middle of that fire. The father began seeking for medical help. He spoke with whoever he could find, anybody who would give him uh, their time. But it soon became clear to uh, to this man's horror that his precious boy was being taken by an unclean spirit of the devil. The society of that day had a term for people who would... Uh, violently lose control of themselves. They called them lunatics. It was taken from the Greek word meaning moonstruck because the people uh, used to think that such demonic episodes were, were affected by the different phases of the moon. But no nickname, no, uh, no medical diagnosis could remove the fear that had come ever since the first attack Came on this boy. It had been years, uh, assumedly, at this time. And the father had learned to take precautions. He could never leave his son alone. He could never. Uh, really sleep very well unless he saw that his son was right next to him he was tired he was weary he wasn't able to let his boy walk by water uh, because so often he would throw himself in and uh, I believe it's Mark chapter 9 that the the father understood the reason that the boy is throwing himself in the water the reason that he's throwing himself into fire when uh, usually when he walked by it is because the demon wanted to destroy that boy He just wanted his son to be healed. One day he heard about this man named Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And he heard how Jesus had made a lame man walk again. He heard how Jesus had caused a blind man to see. He even heard how Jesus had raised people from the dead. He, he He heard how he had even cast out demons from other people. In one situation, he heard of Jesus casting out 2,000 demons from one man. And so he determined that he would find this Jesus and he would ask him to heal his son. And the day finally came here in Matthew chapter 17, where he found Jesus's closest Followers, And there were nine of them there. I want you to picture this story with me. And I'm, I'm all building up through this story to tell us what is going on uh, so that we can see the truth that Jesus is trying to teach to his disciples and to us as well. There's nine of them there. And he explains the situation. And these nine disciples tell him Jesus has gone up into the mountain with three other of his disciples. But they assured him we would be able to heal your child. The disciples told him that they had dealt with demons before. Many of the nine could tell stories of how they personally had seen demons cast out of people. So to this father's great relief, these nine men told them they would be able to help his son. But then to his father's great grief and dismay, the Bible says they could not cure him. I think the only thing worse than his own dismay was the look of dismay that he then saw on the faces of the disciples, because the disciples couldn't understand why they weren't able to cast out this devil. But then when all hopes seemed lost, Jesus came. And this isn't my message, but I can't help but thinking of our Savior, of our Jesus, how he came down from that mountain and he found that father and he saw that boy. And with love indescribable and power immeasurable, character immovable, and we all know this, Jesus' timing is impeccable. He came to that poor, helpless father and child and with one word of rebuke, the child was cured from that very hour. And can I remind us That we serve that same Jesus today. The same Jesus that spoke the worlds into being. The same Jesus that said, I am that I am to Moses. The same Jesus that Moses prophesied about and David sang about and Isaiah wrote about. The same Jesus who will come again. The same Jesus who's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The same Jesus who the Bible calls faithful and true. That's the same Jesus that you and I serve today. And he healed that boy. But those nine disciples were left confused. They were left perplexed. Can you, can you put yourself in the position here? And they, they come to Jesus, the Bible says, apart in verse 19. And they ask him, why could not we cast him out? See, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, not very long before this in our Bible, Jesus had sent out these very same disciples, and he sent them out. And the Bible says he gave them power to heal the sick and cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out devils. They had cast out devils before. Why not this one? And to what, I would guess, would be their shock Jesus immediately answers, because of your unbelief. Now, this is not to say that when the disciples saw this boy and they saw this father, this is not to say that they said, well, we don't believe it's going to happen, but we'll we'll give it our best shot. No, I don't think that happened at all. I think they were genuinely... understanding they genuinely tried to cast out that demon and that's why they were in turn genuinely perplexed as to why they couldn't. But up until this instance, there was never a demon that they had come across. There was never, never a devil that they had come across that they were not able to cast out. But this one was different. And the problem, Jesus said, was their unbelief. A further sting of rebuke came when Jesus then said, if you have faith as as the grain of a mustard seed, you know how big a mustard seed is. It is, is, I, I can't even describe it. It's small, very small. Jesus said, if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you would be able to move mountains. Nothing would be impossible to you. And that should be a rebuke to us that if that is how small our faith would need to be to turn a mountain into a plain, how small must our faith be? Now, we should always seek to increase our faith. Great faith allows God to work in great ways. But, even more important than the size of our faith is the object of our faith. Because even the smallest amount of faith, when placed in God, can move mountains. That's what Jesus is bringing out. But then Jesus says this. Jesus says this word, how be it? However, with that being said, this kind, and he's referring to that devil, this kind, goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So with this information, let's get into the main part of the message here. As Christians, what do we live by? We do not live by sight. We do not live by our emotions. We do not live by what man says. We do not live by bread alone. What do we live by? We live by faith. This faith is not in ourselves, this faith is not in a bank account, this faith is not on anything in this earth, this faith is in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And can I remind us tonight that belief in anything other than God is unbelief in God? Let me repeat that. Belief in anything other than God is unbelief in God. Now, our faith is rarely, if ever, perfect. And we would be the first to admit that. May I remind us at this time that this is the Father who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. His faith wasn't perfect. But what faith he had, he put it in God. Now, our faith is rarely, if ever, perfect. But... What Jesus is bringing out is through simple faith in God, we will be able to see marvelous things done through God. God is able to do incredible things, seemingly impossible things, through simple faith in him. But church, this is very important for us to see. This is the basis of my whole message. What our Lord is teaching us here, is that there will be times in this life when we will face an obstacle of the devil that's different. I fear we forget just how real the devil is and how much he wants to destroy everything good and godly in your life and in mine. And sometimes because of Satan's power and because of God's permission, we are going to face a hardship That is unlike anything that we have ever faced before. Think about this if we want to apply it this way. We faced hardships before as a church and we could name them all right now. We've faced hardships that required much faith to see us through. But if we're going to get real, when we saw back in March, when we saw this hardship coming down, this hardship that we're facing right now, Not only as a church, but as a family, as husbands, as businessmen, however you want to say it. When we saw this hardship coming down the line in March, I think many of us thought, well, we've faced hardships before. We've seen Satan's attacks before. We've dealt with that kind of thing before. We've seen victory over that kind of thing before. This kind will be no different but church, let's be honest, this kind is different. I think of many of our Christian businessmen. You've dealt with obstacles before. You've dealt with struggles before. But then you come across something, you face a new struggle, you face something where you have to say, this kind is different. What about your marriage Every godly marriage will face satanic attack. And through faith in God, you make it through. But every now and then, you're going to face a battle in your marriage, and you're going to have to say, this this kind is different. What about your children? Every parent wanting to raise godly children is going to face satanic attack. He's not just going to sit back and let you raise your children for the Lord. But through faith in God, you make it through. But every now and then, you're going to face a battle. Some of you right now, you're facing a battle with your children. You're facing a battle with your children's spirit. You're facing a battle with your children's honesty. You're facing a battle with your children's friends. You're facing a battle with your children's desires, where they want to go, what they want to do, who they want to be. And you're having to say, we've never dealt with this before. This kind is different. I'm going to gauge you here. Am I making sense so far? What about your health? Christians who, Christians who want to live for the Lord, every once in a while, you are going to be attacked physically by the devil. You just have to look at Job. More than that, right now, what I am seeing is Christians are being attacked emotionally. We are being attacked mentally. In fact, what I am seeing is when somebody in the family is getting sick, they are dealing with the physical attack, but their family is dealing with the emotional and the mental attack. And sometimes that attack, not to belittle this one, can be worse. And I think you know what I'm talking about. But through faith in God, we've navigated through physical and emotional attacks before. But this kind... There's something about this kind. This kind is stubborn. It won't move out of the way like the others did. It it doesn't seem to care that we are trying to do right. Now why is this kind different? Is it because God has changed? Absolutely not. This kind may be different, but God is not different. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. Is it because Satan has become stronger? Well, he has no power other than the power given to him by God. Now, he has certainly become more desperate. He certainly is corrupting more and more minds each day, even the minds of our children. His number of supporters, the Bible says, is going, they're going to gain in number, and they're also going to wax worse and worse as time goes on. But that isn't the issue either. Our issue... Is the issue of the disciples. The issue is our faith. And that is a rebuke to you and me. Because what Jesus brings out in this is if our faith was right, this kind would have to flee just like any other kind had. But even though this kind is strong, even though this kind is more difficult, even though this kind is stubborn. And this kind can bring shame to the name of Jesus Christ if we fail. Do you realize that? Do you realize that right now more than ever, it is the Christians who should be strong. It is the Christians who should be leading and guiding. It is the Christians who should be the light of the world by letting the light of Christ shine through us. When these disciples failed because of their unbelief, you know what that man said? I brought him to your disciples, Jesus, and they could not cast him out. Even though this kind is all of those things, Jesus shows us as well, this kind can be defeated. And he even tells us how. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. This isn't a deep message. I think it's time to get back to basics. I think it's time to get back to What many of us neglect. Because the lesson here cannot be written any clearer. God will at times allow Satan to bring a tax that put a special test on our faith. And in order to pass that test, it's going to cost us something. And God wants to see if we're willing to pay the price. He says, you want to have power over this kind? You can have power over this kind, but not without prayer and fasting. What's so special about prayer and fasting? Here's my entire message in really one sentence. What is so special about prayer and fasting? What's so powerful about it? Because we cannot truly pray and we cannot truly fast without letting go of the two most valuable things to this flesh right here. And that is pride and pleasure. We cannot truly pray, we cannot truly fast without letting go of the two most valuable things to our sinful flesh, and that is pride and pleasure. True prayer will never come without humility. Now, we can pray with great pride, but it is not true prayer. We can, we can pray just like that Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. said, God, I thank thee. I thank thee that I am not as other men are. That's how he starts his prayer. I thank thee I am not how other men are. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. And I'm definitely not like this publican. And he's basically saying I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief like this tax collector here. I, I what, what does he say? I fast twice a week. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. But what does Jesus say? It is the prayer of humility that gets somewhere with God. You can write this down. Only prayers from lowly hearts will ever reach as high as heaven. The publican stood afar off. The Bible says he wouldn't even raise his eyes to look unto heaven, but smote upon his breast and said, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I have seen men under such great conviction that they couldn't do anything but pound their chest in agony. I've seen it happen. Now, I know that this is a praying church, and I appreciate that. And as much as I can commend a church for praying, I commend this church for praying. But we must pray with humility. We must humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God that He may exalt us in due time. We must remember that we are on earth and God is in heaven. God does not owe us his ears. God does not owe us his time and his attention. In Psalm chapter 8, when I, consider, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man that thou visitest him? And yet so often our prayer is, is short It's selfish, it's prideful, or it's out of necessity. We regard iniquity in our heart. We spend no time praising God for who he is. We give no thanks for all that he's done. We basically just say, Lord, this is what I need for the day. Amen. And we often ask amiss to consume it upon our own lust. The Bible says that kind of prayer will not overcome this kind. So here's my question. When is the last time? our prayer cost us something when's the last time it cost us some tears now i i don't like crying any more than any other man likes crying but when's the last time our prayer cost us some tears when's the last time it cost us some sleep when's the last time it costs us some of our pride and we had to get down and say, Lord, there is nothing that I can do about this. Even if I, could, even if I wanted to, there's nothing that I can do. When is the last time it cost us some heartbreak? When is the last time it cost us some sweat and some, and some physical exertion? When is the last time we woke up early so that we could take time to pray? But so often our prayer doesn't cost us a thing. And then we look at the Lord and we ask, why could not we cast this kind out? We shouldn't be surprised. Cheap prayer is a sign of cheap faith. How about this? When's the last time we prayed and fasted? As humility is the cause of true prayer, what is the cause of true fasting? Self-denial. As humility is the cause of true prayer, self-denial is the cause of true fasting. Now, we don't stop eating like, we're, like we have a hunger strike against God. I'm not going to eat until this gets better. No, that's not what fasting is all about. Let me ask this. Have, have you ever had something before that bothered you so much that you lost your appetite? Have you ever had that before? you ever gotten a phone call one time or, or you heard some news that just broke your heart and you lost your appetite? You know you needed to eat, but there were more important things on your mind other than food. True fasting is when we say, God, this situation is so important to me. Finding help from you finding guidance from you finding wisdom from you is more dear to me than finding food for my body in this society when our flesh is so used to instant gratification i was talking to one of our men earlier one of our great men earlier today we are so used to getting everything now and exactly how we want it we want to watch that movie we no nope, we're going to pay for it now we don't even have to go out of our homes anymore to, and, and like barbarians to the red box. We don't have to do that. We can just pay for it through our TV. What about this? Oh, I want that meal. I want that specific meal. And I want this type of, uh, I want this type of toppings on it all. And you know what? I don't even want to get out of my pajamas. I am going to text somebody through an app to bring it to my house. And if it's wrong, I'm not paying for it. If it doesn't come in, in enough time, I'm going to be upset. We are so spoiled today. And because of this society that we live in, when our flesh is so used to just getting whatever it wants now, we rarely find situations where we deem it necessary to fast and pray. But if somebody were to ask us, are you willing to do anything to see victory over this kind? And you name it, could it be this time that we're going through? Could it be a temptation? Could it be a a, a satanic attack on your marriage or on your family or on your business or on your future or on your children? You name whatever it is. Are you willing to do anything to see victory over this kind? Don't don't dare say yes if we haven't even considered fasting and praying before. Do you know why drug and alcohol abuse is rampant today? Do you know why millions of abortions happen yearly? Do you know why the prisons are full and churches are empty? Do you know why everybody is so unhealthy? Do you know why children are addicted to their phones and their iPads and their computers? Do you know why people can't hold down a job? Do you know why over 50% of Christian marriages end up in divorce? It's because people refuse to tell their flesh no. That is exactly why. That is what it comes down to. We have stopped telling our sinful flesh no. You know why that child in HEB, Miss Gloria, you work at HEB, I'm sure you observe tantrums daily. And not just from kids, probably from adults as well. But why does the kid in H-E-B throw a fit over a Hershey bar? You know why? Because nobody has told that little brat no. And this is very important. That child, why is that child doing that? Because that child truly believes getting a candy bar is more important than respecting and obeying their parents. That is the choice to them. Do I want candy or do I want to be a good child for my parents? And they say, this is more important to me. Getting what I want is more important than being who I'm I'm supposed to be. So before we judge that child, we have to look in the mirror, Christian, because every single one of us has a little brat in us. And it does not like being told no. No. And Jesus says, don't expect victory over this kind if we aren't willing to get rid of our pride and get rid of our pleasure and say, you know what, Lord, I want to seek your glory and I want to seek your pleasure in our life. Here's what I'm coming down to. If if we're having problems in our family and it really means that much to you and it really means that much to us, we're going to spend some days fasting and praying about it. If our children and raising them for the Lord and the attitude that we're seeing in them, the changes that we're seeing just with them growing up, if that really means that much to us, we're going to spend some days fasting and praying about it. If we are worried about our teenagers and as they grow and the relationships that they are going to get in and they, you want them to marry the right person and you want them to go to the right college and you want them to be the right person and to, and to find the right career so that it would lead them to either be in the ministry or help a ministry, we're going to spend some days fasting and praying about it. If we really care for our loved one's health, we're going to f- spend some days Fasting and praying about it. If you really care about your church, you're going to spend some days fasting and praying over your church. If you care about your ministry, you're going to spend some days fasting and praying about your ministry. I'm not calling him out right now to embarrass him. It's just because this is something that's fresh on my mind. Brother James, if you are wanting this podcast ministry to be something, to be more than just a 20-minute talk, if you want it to legitimately help people and reach down and strengthen hearts and strengthen souls and uplift spirits, you're going to spend some days fasting and praying about that podcast ministry. In the bus ministry, I hope you have spent some days fasting and praying about the bus ministry. And when we are able to get it back up and that the kids can be safe, I hope that we have spent some days fasting and praying because here, here it is. When is the last time we told our flesh, you are not going to care more about food. You are not going to throw a fit like that child in HEB and care more about food than you care about seeing victory over this kind. It's not going to happen. You know, it doesn't take much. I'm not not telling you to to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. It could be a meal. It could be you waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I'm hungry. But this is on my heart. I'm not going to eat this meal because I want to spend the time that I would have spent eating and preparing for the day. I want to spend that time with you. And I want to open my heart to you rather than open my mouth for some food. Maybe it's a day. Maybe it's a week. I don't know what it is. Now, we don't do it to gain gain attention from other people because we might be denying ourselves a food, but then we do it for attention. That's not self-denial. Now, husbands, you're going to need to tell your wives because I promise you the day that you say, I am going to fast, you're going to come home and your wife is going to have a spread. You should tell your wife. And wives, you should tell your husbands. Children, you should tell your parents. I, I wanna I wanna fast today. No, I don't I don't want to eat this. Now, children, just when your parents are feeding you broccoli and you don't like it, don't just oh no, I'm fasting today. No, eat your broccoli. But I'm saying you need to tell the people that you need to tell so that they understand and that they can help you and they're not carrying a pepperoni pizza right by you. But we don't do it to, be, uh, to gain attraction or attention from everybody else, but we do what we need to do to spend time with the Lord and to see victory over this kind. And Jesus' answer is so clear. This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I'm done. Every now and then. And if we were honest with ourselves, the more it happens probably the better we would be. Every now and then, God allows this kind to come along and bring us back to the remembrance that there is nothing that we can do without him. And in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And if pushing this down means that God can be lifted up and that he can bring victory over this, then Lord, for you to be exalted through this victory is what I desire. Lord, it is more important to bring pleasure to you than to bring pleasure to myself. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote about this verse here. Verse 21, he says this, he that would overcome the devil in certain instances must first overcome heaven by prayer and conquer himself by self-denial he that would overcome the devil in certain instances must first overcome heaven by prayer and conquer himself by self-denial i cannot say it any clearer than i'm going to say it now i preach this message tonight and it has been on my heart because i have been deeply convicted in my life of how often I neglect prayer and how often I don't even think about fasting and spending extra time for things that truly mean something to me. Things that are truly important. But honestly, what it comes down to, I think we're so distracted. We're so connected. And there's always notifications and buzzes and rings and emails and all these things going on. We never even just take time to prioritize and think of the people and the things and the ministries and the institutions in our life that truly mean something special to us that would cause us to believe it is worth fasting and praying over. But how could we ever seek to conquer the devil without relying on God? So there is victory over this kind. But are we willing to pay the price? That's the question. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.